Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tron Conquest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz. Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim. And you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Talk House Podcast. I'm Josh Modell. On this week's episode, we've got a pair of songwriters from relatively similar locales, but different generations, who also happen to record a song together that's finally coming out. Stuart Murdoch and Suki Waterhouse. Now, Stuart Murdoch is the primary force behind the delightfully wry and smart Scottish band Bell and Sebastian, which shyly emerged from Glasgow in the mid-90s, but quickly became one of those touchstone indie bands, or as Waterhouse puts it in this chat, a legacy band. Bell and Sebastian have released a dozen terrific albums over the years, and they're still capable of surprising their devoted fan base. The band's latest, Late Developers, was released early this year, hot on the heels of their 11th album, A Bit of Previous. If you haven't availed yourself of the band's charms in recent years, this new one is a great place to jump back in. It's really good. Now, Suki Waterhouse is probably best known as an actor and model. You may have seen her in the music-focused Amazon Prime series Daisy Jones and the Six recently, but she's been passionate about music forever as well. Her debut album came out last year on Sub Pop. It's called I Can't Let Go, and it's perfect for fans of Fiona Apple or Lana Del Rey. And music isn't just a side thing for Waterhouse. She jumped right in the van, as you'll hear, to tour these songs as soon as her acting gigs allowed. She also recorded a song with Belle and Sebastian a few years back, which has finally been released as the B-side of her Sub Pop single, and it's the reason we ended up here together. The song is called Every Day's a Lesson in Humility. Check it out. Waterhouse and Murdoch hadn't seen each other in a while, but they picked up the conversation like old friends, talking about breakfast, peptides, a funny nickname that Murdoch got when he started his short-lived career as a roadie, and the difficulties of pooping as a touring musician. Yes, you heard that right. We also hear about some incredible Los Angeles advice that Murdoch got way back when. It's a charming chat, and I hope you enjoy it. So if you had breakfast yet... I haven't had breakfast yet, no. I literally, I'm going to be completely honest. My eyes just opened and uh, <laughs> my boyfriend just said, oh my goodness, it's quarter past 10. And I just went, what? <laughs> and I just woke, and I literally just ran here. So no, no I, haven't, I haven't had breakfast yet. It would be nice if somebody brought you something. I was separated from my breakfast this morning for, for a number of hours and it was a little bit annoying. I went to see a a, a Banksy, you know Banksy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has his first exhibition in Glasgow and, and I wasn't going to go and my wife was, she was going and then she says, I, I, come with me. And I said, I haven't had breakfast yet. And I grabbed breakfast, but they wouldn't let me eat it in the in the place so I had, a, of course. <laughs> I had to I had to go around and I was going everyone's going wow this Banksy is great and I was thinking it would be much better with a almond croissant inside me you're a croissant person yeah I can yeah, be a croissant totally. person yeah yeah a coffee and a croissant person I've been trying to improve my breakfast from like kind of sugary cereals I've been trying to like level out the glucose levels I've been trying yeah, to have like yeah. toast apparently toast cream cheese and salmon is sort of like 
a good option for which which I was surprised by actually. That breakfast is good for you. It's good, stabilizing, but bad for the salmon. But, oh, uh, oh wait, Stuart, I forgot. Wait, are you? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. Ve- I'm not. Not veggie. But um, are you not? No, no, I no, I eat okay. the salmon too. I commiserate with the salmon, but I eat the salmon. Okay, you do eat the salmon. You do eat the salmon. <laughs> I feel, but I, I feel for my brother, salmon, but it's such a thing these days. Everybody's trying to ram salmon down your throat. I watched the documentary and the whole thing about the, you know, what, yeah, what we're doing to the sea, how much salmon we're having. It's not good. You can't, I mean, you can't eat anything though without making a political statement. You know, I was going to say avocados, you know, but then they're endangered as well. <laughs> Maybe we should just stick with croissants. Yeah. I'm trying to, I just did a, this is very random, but have you heard of like peptides? Not as Zempic, but peptides. Yeah, totally. Peptides are, are big. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I just caved like after being on tour and just traveling so much. I kind of, people keep telling me about peptides. So some, I called some guy up the other day and I just had a big delivery of peptides. And now I just like, now, now I'm like shooting, shooting a little peptide in the morning and a little one in the evening. And I don't <laughs> really great. have any idea. Yeah. I don't really have any idea what, what it's for or what it's doing, but I'm being promised just like complete rejuvenation and a good nervous system and just like, you know, health all around. You're talking to the right person if you want to talk supplements or anything to do with healthy stuff. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You look great, Stuart. Yeah, I look great. You look exactly the same. I haven't seen you for like how long? Like six or seven years or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you look the same. You look really very much healthy. Brimming brimming with health. You are brimming with health. It's all down to salmon and peptides. I feel like yeah, living in Glasgow must help. We've had LA weather for the past two months really it's even to the point where you know how they talk about june glooms mm. where it, the sun you know it's overcast in the morning then it burns off in the afternoon and then you've got about you know 85 degrees or something i'm in la at the moment and honestly the whole of la this whole year has been gloomy like it's it's really actually today it looks a little bit sunny there's been a couple of sunny days but it's been so overcast for, for the whole year I think, I mean, I know it will get extremely hot, but it is not, it's definitely not been the kind of, it's not really been the kind of LA that I've always been used to where it's just like hot all the time. It's been a lot more overcast, a lot more rain, which is actually quite nice. But like, I I don't really mind it because I'm from London. So it makes me feel kind of at home. Rain is good. Yeah. Have you, uh, do you have a secret spot in LA? Well, you probably possibly don't want to give it away, but is Mm. there anywhere you can, you feel you can go like to get a bit of peace? I love like Griffith Park and there's like a little coffee shop there and go, go for a walk around there. I quite enjoy going downtown. Like that's, that's kind of like its own separate world. I used to live in West Hollywood for years just like in in the middle of all of it. And now I'm kind of like in a different spot. I've kind of gone out of the, out of town a little bit more. I never really meant to move here. And uh, I I kind of never really officially feel like, oh, I I moved here. Like I I still am actually like a complete English domicile. So, um, yeah, I just have like a visa and I just, you know, it's always just been like, oh, I've just, I just go to LA and it's suddenly like, no, I, I feel it's, it's pretty like, it feels pretty permanent. And I always end up coming back here, but I think it is that, I think it is that thing where it's actually quite easy just to, it's quite easy to isolate here. And especially when I'm like not back for that long all the time, it's quite good. Like I, I can just, I can kind of just sit in the house for a, 
for like <laughs> a week until I have to go somewhere else and and just yeah and it's it's very welcome that sort of like isolation until you get a bit stuck crazy and then you have to leave yeah I like it have you spent much time here we did we did not too much but it's long enough ago that it it feel it does feel like dreamland mm. a little bit because we we had um, you know we always used to record in Glasgow but in the middle of the 2000s probably when you were about four year old or something like that mm-hmm. we came to LA to make a couple of records and we had the time of our lives we just it was surprising because you know back in those days you're, you're kind of thinking LA that's just you don't really want to go there it's kind of smoggy there's nowhere to walk um, you got to drive everywhere but actually you know we got there and one of the first nights we were there at a party a woman walked up to me and said you either see LA or you be LA and uh, mm. so at that point I I hired a car and the band everybody would pile into the car and we had the best time ever we recorded you know two LPs like almost like two years apart and Griffith Park I would go mm. there all the time because it, it, the beautiful thing is you just had to you know you could walk from Hollywood almost into the park and then suddenly you were up, up above the city and you could get your get yeah. your isolation and then I started doing yoga they'd had the outside yoga in mm. Runyon which was kind of pretty early thing yeah how old were you when you first came here then so well I mean still old but <laughs> so in the you know the t- 2000s so you know late 20s early 30s we were LP number six and seven maybe something six like and that. seven oh my well goodness. that's what I mean it was it was late we didn't we made all our early LPs in Glasgow we produced them ourselves and then this guy Tony Hoffer said, "You know, come to you got to come to my place." I know Tony Hoffer. I met. I think we spoke about this. He did a friend of mine's record, and he was awesome. He's awesome. And that was actually when I was really. That was probably like one of the first times that I came to LA. I met Tony Hoffer. But the first time I ever came to LA, like how I first got out, I think I was like about sixteen. It's quite a ridiculous story, this. But I was about sixteen, and I was in a. I went to a party in Paris this I don't and I shouldn't have really been there and I had no reason to really be there but I was at a (laughs) a party with with my friend and somehow I think yeah anyway somehow we kind of got we got backstage it was like a fashion week party I I wasn't I wasn't even like in the fashion week or whatever I don't think and there's a hilarious switch for us but anyway a lady from uh the owner Laurie Laurie Stark from a brand called Chrome Hearts was there and like Pamela Anderson was there and like all these kinds of people. And she, she kind of just like took a liking to me. We really got on and she had a campaign that she, she used to shoot the photos for uh, Chrome Hearts, which is like this very LA kind of rock and roll brand. And anyway, then she, she was like, come, come to LA and we'll put you in the campaign. And it was the week of my exams, like GCSEs, you know, when you, when you need to, be really concentrating um, <laughs> yeah and, <laughs> and wow somehow 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 I oh, I don't know I don't my my poor parents just didn't have any control over me at this point but I went out and shot the campaign with Iggy Pop and that was my first trip <laughs> it was me and I'm like a kind of like a I was like kind of like a, like a chubby 15 16 year old just like with with Iggy Pop and they kind of did all this crazy stuff to my hair and he was so sweet and I was, yeah, I was staying at like the SLS in West Hollywood. They turned me to the Chateau and it was, I just, it was like, yeah, it was completely insane. So I like, I, I got there and I was like, oh, this is really cool. I'm going to, I'm going to try and, you know, do, do everything I can to come back. 
That was the end of my schooling, basically. I did go and do my AS levels at a college, like a small college, and then I didn't last the whole time with that. I think I got I got past the first year or like into the first year and then and then I stopped. There's a movie called Booksmart. Did you ever see one mm-hmm. called Booksmart? Yeah, I did see Booksmart. With the you know, the two girls they they studied their whole lives. They didn't really party at all. You sound like the the other kids that are are partying, but then they find out they're really annoyed. They find out they, the other kids are actually getting in. They've done really well. They're getting into Harvard. They're but they've mm. just partied all the way through. I was the other guy. I was the guy that just studied and uh, mm. and then then got nervous and uh, you know during the exams. I'm trying to think of one glamorous thing that happened to me when I was seeing my GCSEs or equivalent. And no, I was working on a farm. I was milking cows. Did you study, like, did you finish university? No, no, I was, I was on the farm when I was 15. And, you know, I did, I liked, I did, you know, I did summer jobs and stuff like that. And I like, yeah. I like that. And uh, no, I did, I moved up to Glasgow and because I was studying physics and you can't just, you can't just oh float by. Oh my goodness, you can't float yeah. by on physics. You can't no. float by on physics and chemistry. And I looked around the class, there was 700 guys in the class. And most of them, most of them were, you know how people wear band t-shirts, like, you know, Nirvana and Pixies and stuff. Most of them wore like lab coats with with their favorite chemical companies, <laughs> like ICI. That's so cool. Like because they wanted to work for ICI, and and I was kind of looking around, and there wasn't any girls in the class, and um, so I, I I just I just kind of dropped out. But then I became a roadie after that. Right. And uh, it's a pretty pretty unlikely roadie. They used to call me, uh, you know, you know what normal roadies look like. Um, mm-hmm. Just you know the kind of all black leather jackets and and caps and chains and but I, I used to wear a little suit when I was roadieing and and the guys called me Primrose and that that name sort of stuck for a while. I wonder why Primrose. What was the Primrose connection? Yeah, they were just like you were just unlikely unlikely roadie. They just called me Primrose. But the the nice thing was that it was we you know I I would be sitting on the stage night after night with the pixies and and nirvana playing you know and so i sort of got my education I, i'd be watching uh, you know bands three nights a week and i'd be thinking okay these, these guys are great or these mm. guys aren't going to make it hey this is josh modell host of the talk house podcast We love it when musicians come on the show and talk about process, and often they'll get into the nuts and bolts of being a working artist, which can sometimes be fun and sometimes feel more like a business. Well, this episode of Talk House is brought to you by DistroKid, which is an amazing service for musicians looking to get their songs out into the world in an incredibly smart and cost-effective way. For the past decade plus, DistroKid has made it easy to get your music on all the streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, and more. You keep 100% of your earnings minus a flat yearly fee, which is a better deal than you'll find anywhere else. More than a million artists use DistroKid, and the latest version of their app is better than ever. It includes features that make it easy to see your account details, including the money you've earned, as well as to seamlessly edit things like lyrics and metadata across platforms. There's even a feature called Instant Share, which allows you to easily share files with your bandmates, booking agent, playlist curators, and more. DistroLock allows you to protect your songs. DistroKid users get a YouTube official artist channel, too. The list goes on. The DistroKid app is available on iOS and Android. Go check it out today. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. 
Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. Hey, TalkHouse listeners, it's Josh Modell. Instead of encouraging you to listen to podcasts today, I'm here to encourage you to read something great. The particular something I have in mind is the second issue of the TalkHouse Reader, the print zine spearheaded by our fantastic music editor, Annie Fell. This issue is focused on the intersection of food and music, and it features contributions from Maddie Matheson, Coleman Domingo, Squirrel Flower, Sam Evian, the Blessed Madonna, and more. There are pieces about eating while on tour, the gentrification of food, cooking as a creative catalyst, and much, much more. You can order a copy today, along with the first issue, at store.talkhouse.com. Please do check it out. So what's it like? Have you got a band now, or do you pick up with various musicians on the way? I have a band now that that I tour with. They're all from LA, which is funny. Everyone's like, why is your band not English? I'm like, oh, I have an American band. But I have a, everyone's great, and everyone has their own projects as well. So... Yeah, they're they're all they're all fantastic. It's a uh, it's, called, it's called Jane Noise. I've got Amelia Schmear from Stereo Jane, and I've got Michael Motorcycle, and they all know each other. They they all know like Raj, who I met, who's Jane. Um, when we were writing together, he grew up with Michael, and then they know Amelia as well. So I wanted to have them at least, you know, them them know each other, even if if I didn't know all of them super well. But I knew I knew Raj pretty well. We started doing shows. I think we did two, and then we went out on the road with Father John Misty for two months, and we went straight into Red Rocks, Radio City Hall, like just these massive, massive venues. It's just so insane going straight, you know, straight to do those, those kinds of venues. But it was incredible because I like you just learn the hard way. You could have been building up for 20 years, but you might as well just throw yourself in and do it. I was really lucky as well. I mean, getting to see Josh um, and his band, that's like 10 musicians in that band. And like every night, like the the show that they put on is so good. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but I was transfixed watching them every single night. And we kind of piled up into a van for two months in like the crazy heat of, yeah, July, like I think it was like, yeah, it was two months. It was boiling hot, like so hot that I think people were like pretty much like growing, growing fungus out of their hands. And some people, some oh of us God. fainted, you know, it's just disgusting. Like I, 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 I didn't even <laughs> want to like, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely gross <laughs> and we had this kind of it was like a van that also like had a toilet in it that the toilet exploded at some point we had to like leave it evacuate so many lessons you know like people can't poop in the toilet it's gonna go people wrong just don't know they just don't know people just don't know no i had to i was gonna t- i had <laughs> i had to poop in a bin bag oh no on, on the on the way into paris Oh. On the, because we had a because you know you couldn't on the bus and you can't and, even get off yeah you can't and we were stuck in this traffic jam and I was on I was due on a French TV news channel and so. there was <laughs> and then then I had to get off the bus and look s- smart at ten in the morning for French TV oh. but um, have you have you done the uh, have you actually had to tour on a bus yet or is the van the closest thing have you slept on the bus 
So, so no, so I did, I did van last year for, for July and August with Father John Misty. And then, then, uh, I went, I did, I just went on my first headline tour in January and February. And I did a little one in Europe right before that. Um, but the January and February one, it was winter. I mean, I, I basically did the whole run in the cold and I just felt bad bringing everyone and not putting them on a bus. So I got a bus. Yeah. Even though, that's good. Even though it's like, the most expensive thing that I've ever probably I, it's insane and like the whole the whole thing with touring is kind of nuts I lost like I lost so much money from having a bus I think I should, oh, yeah. it, like technically I should have been I should still be in a van like the levels yeah. that the level that I'm at still we should be in a van but yeah we we were we were being a bit bougie and it was much nicer. <laughs> yeah. And but the all the filming for Daisy Jones, was that happening at the same time or was that all done with that it finished in April and then I went on on that tour a month later. It was really funny with that show because like when I when I started the show, um, when I got like cast in it and and when we started uh, that was like 2020, and then and then everything shut down and then um, we'd been like training so much and that the, they were so gracious and giving us like piano teachers. And, you know, we had, we had this big studio at Sound City in, in LA, which is like this really, his, you probably know about Sound City Studios, like really historic studio. And so when everything stopped, I mean, I'd, I'd been putting out, I mean, I met you like ages ago. We've, I've been putting out music for a long time, just in tiny little dregs, like, and, and actually had, I had like a big confidence issue about putting out a record. But in that time, when everything shut down, it suddenly clicked and I was like, you're going to regret this. You're just going to regret this if you, you know, you want to do this and you've, but uh, yeah, I'd had this like crushing insecurity about it, and uh, and and I just um, I re- yeah, I reached out to Brad Cook, who's had a friend in common, Dave Sittick from TV on the radio. We've worked together before, and uh, and he was like, yeah, if you can get yourself out to North Carolina, come with all your songs. I had songs in all, all these different kinds of forms, like voice notes, and someone will finish, and da da da. And we just we like ripped everything up, started from scratch on the production, and then. Yeah, had the record. I ended up having the show, finishing a show about music, going on tour. And then by the time it was out, I had my my record out. And it was just very strange the way the show and my real life kind of blended into this strange thing where like even I went on tour right after doing a show about going on tour, went and played like all of these same places. It was very odd. And I do I do appreciate that your life, um, your creative life and your own life was what is happening is very different to the way people perceive it. Like for instance, when we go into people, people are like, okay, that's you working. That's the they sort of thing. That's the only time I work. Whereas actually when in the past when I'm on tour, sometimes that's the most relaxing time, is the easiest time because you're not having to create stuff and and but it's mm. it's actually the, the rest of the time that you're having to create and you're you're buried underground and yeah so it, it sort of bears no relation how do you feel on stage like how's your relationship to being on stage do you miss it do you like do you crave to go on tour or would you be quite happy is is the work stage actually kind of the songwriting and, co- and constantly creating it's a perfect yin and yang relationship yeah. uh, between you know the the it is it's a great job i was chatting to the uh, somebody you know the who was working the the tickets at the exhibition, the, the Banksy thing today was just asking me, he was saying, you know, how's life? How's you? And I was saying, I can't complain. I've got a great job. Yeah. You know, because, you know, you make stuff 
and then when you get bored of making stuff and and yeah. look you know looking at the the rain in glasgow you you go into her and then you get out there and you get that out your system and it's a different for me it's a completely different energy and uh i i love it like nothing else it, there's jeopardy in it i i've got i've got kind of health things going on i actually had to cancel a bunch of tours you know, I've always had health things since the band started and I've, I've sort of got away with it. So there's always jeopardy to do with going on tour because mm-hmm. it can be quite stressful. But if it's going good, there's nothing like it. It's yeah. I'm, I'm a different person. I'm 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 born to it. You know, I, I, when I'm at home, I'm like, a you know, a boring 50 something year old, <laughs> yeah. 55 year old you know, guy. And my, my kids won't even let me sing in the house because yeah. <laughs> they think I'm a jerk. And then, you know, and then, uh, you know, when you get on stage, you can be, you can be 25 again and just, and mm-hmm. I don't fucking care. Yeah. And there's just nothing like it. I love it. Yeah. I just did Bonnaroo and I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe how many people would come to the show. And I kind of, I walk around, I'm like so excited just to, to get on stage and I'm side stage and I'm side stage and everyone's like, you know, everyone's like super excited. And then. And then just like nothing works for like 35 minutes. Like, <laughs> like oh. there's, uh, there's everything has been patched incorrectly. Like, you know, you're at a festival, so this ch- changeover is difficult. Mm. And then kind of just like that level of, I'm like so anxious. I'm anxious for everyone out there. I'm like feeling, you know, feeling bad. And then as soon as suddenly it was just like go after about, yeah, about 35 minutes. And like that show was really interesting for me because I was already in such a kind of, fight or flight like kind of way by the time I got out if you managed to pull that and turn that around you did really well because even you know after all these years I, I struggle if it's you know to if the if the gig gets starts badly to to pull it around but if you can do that that's a that's a really good asset I definitely feel like I yeah I like left my body and was just like I've got to give a, like an extra great show for everybody the first thing, because you came, I mean, it was a little bit of a daze. I, I lose track of years. And I, I said, when you come up to Glasgow, mm. it was bef- it was before COVID lockdown and all that sort of stuff. It was a long time before that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, Definitely. 2018 or so. And then it was a couple of years later when we were but you know, but in the States somewhere, we were coming through Seattle airport mm. and your face was, Sub Pop had a store in the terminal and you were the you were plastered all over the we were like whoa suki suki just happened <laughs> what the hell how cool is that sub pop yeah so they were yeah, they totally. sub pop were wrapping me wrapping me good in the, the the cover of their store that's good to know yeah yeah <laughs> there is there's such a sweet label i got really i got very lucky being with them i don't know quite know how i convinced sub pop to sign me but somehow somehow that happened i don't know so many like famous people but i i've only known two people that have a trajectory like yours well it's so it's you and ollie alexander from years and years Oh yeah, he's fab. Because you know, Ollie was in a film that I made, and you know, years and years ago. And funnily enough, and then he told me that after this, he was going to he was going to do music for a while. And mm-hmm. I said, "But yeah, but you're you're gr- come on, Ollie, you're so t- you're so good at the acting. Don't give up the acting." Um, he said, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna do music for a bit." He was certain about it. And then, you know, a year later, he got the BBC introducing award or something. And he was like, gone, you know, he just suddenly. And of course, he always had the acting to come back to. But yeah, it was such a brave thing to make that 
that leap. He's massive in both fields and incredibly respected. And he just made that incredible TV show. Yeah. That, did you watch the latest? It was so good. Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched any TV, but I I definitely in the last few years that was the one I heard most about. But you haven't uh, even been watching Succession, Stuart. I didn't watch anything. <gasps> I get the two kids and and they it's hard to they they go to bed really late. Yeah, and so I don't have any kids. I don't have any yeah. kids, so like I have to. It's literally like Sunday night nine o'clock. Like yeah. we have to be have to be watching the what have to be watching the shows. I watched you know I. I watched a lot of movies and shows in my life. So I'm, yeah. you know, this yes, is my, of course. This is, and you're also a director and you know a lot yeah. about films. So. But this is, this is my time to kind of miss out. And the best media thing that I'm doing is just snuggling with my, my kid. And we listen to a, you know, um, audible, you know, we listen to the talking books while he falls asleep. And uh, I don't mind because I, uh, yeah, I always pick them and then he falls asleep and I get to listen to, the kids' books that I I loved when I was little. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, that's actually it's that's so ideal. That's <laughs> great. That must yeah. be so comforting and sweet. Oh yeah. wow! So that's really cool that you knew that you knew Ollie back then when you made when you made that movie. Do you write scripts or do you, were you always directing? Yeah, no, I do. I wrote that script. That was my you first. Wrote one. that script. I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I took a break from the band. I wrote a musical record for you know other people to sing, mostly female singers, mm -hmm. and then I turned it into a musical and I turned it a, a movie. So I just went. I did. I went all the way through, and I, I ended up. I didn't mean to direct the movie. That wasn't a given. Um, I was confident to do all the rest of the stuff. You know, produce the record because that's what I did, and I loved writing the script. But I did direct the movie, and it was like the. That was my moment of getting yeah. on the stage at, at Radio City. That was, yeah. you know, my moment where I was I was a fraud. Stepped out. Yeah. Yeah. Did I was you, a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only like a year and a half like into basically having this kind of new existence around like, yeah, the music industry and feeling like I'm suddenly like in it. Did you sort of need to take a step back to just because you've been doing this for so long and you guys have yeah. I mean, you, you're you're like you're like a legacy band. Like, there's there really aren't that <laughs> yeah. many. There, there really aren't that many people that can still. You guys are still together. You still like each other. You still make music. Yeah. It's incredible. Did you have like a moment of? I just did a. I just was working in Nashville with a with a friend of mine who has had. I think she's had to like step away. She's just get, she's going to come back, but she's had to step back for a bit just because she she got completely she got really burnt out. She was like, you know, I've just. That all I've done is is do this, and I think the the social media aspect of it now it's also like a whole other job. If you're you're on TikTok and you're on Instagram and da da da, and your labels pushing oh you to do that, you pro you probably tell them to you know. <laughs> I'm in a lucky situation, you know. I'm because <laughs> yeah. I'm flying below the radar. I can you know I, I kind of do what I want and yeah. You know, but it's nice yeah it's nice I, I, yeah I was ten years into the band and I'd been working the band for ten years and I was like it's a long time yeah. Guys, I'm gonna. We finished our last. It was 2006. We finished our last gig at the end of August, on the first of September. I I parked my backside in a chair and and started writing for the first time. You know, started writing dialogue. That was probably, uh, and this was probably annoying my wife, but it was probably about the best two months of my life ever. Yeah, it's just funny how how happiness happens. You know, it's not. Sometimes it's not the the things that people talk about but i just all i remember is that we did we, in that august september 2006 it was we had a we had beautiful weather i rode my bike all around glasgow and and west of scotland and i you know wrote the scripts 
while I was cycling and coming up with songs for this. I kept hearing these songs in my head and writing them while I was on the bicycle. And, and that was the most nice creative break that I ever had. I don't know if I remember correctly, but did you tell me when we were in Glasgow that you like to get on trains and oh, yeah. kind of, you did, you did right? I'm a, we you, had a, probably, I'm a public transport like freak. I, I mean, not, not yeah. just like get on the train to go somewhere, but did you, you kind of go, kind of go more random places and just kind of yeah, yeah. hop off and walk around and, yeah, and take yeah, things in. Yeah. For the sake of, for the sake of traveling and just moving I think moving really helps yeah. me with yeah uh, with with creativity and mm-hmm. so whether I'm walking cycling on a train I just if you know because it's just otherwise you you can get sort of bogged down where you're just sitting mm-hmm. but um no it's it's good fun I I, I feel yeah. a bit bad that nobody's brought you a a peptide yeah are you are you doing okay no my boyfriend's <laughs> actually very good at bring, like i get breakfast made for me every morning and a coffee but i uh, think he's i think he's staying out because he he wants to all right li- leave us in peace <laughs> yeah yeah but i will oh, well. i will have a i will have a nice uh night of coffee how's the what's the um are we coming towards the end or can i ask you another question i was going to ask you just quickly like what your relationship is like with your other bandmates like at the kind of like are they your are they your best friends yeah we're totally are you know I had lunch with Sarah and today and you know even the day you know we see each other all you know for work all the time and but Mm -hmm. we see each other the rest of the time as well and you do she's having she's having dog trouble she or a dog that she was kind of looking after had to have its leg off and and so that's been this week's saga so there's you know it's like it's like my other family and yeah and stuff happens and uh so yeah, we'll we'll just be we'll just they'll always be my my other family and it's a it's it's definitely it's a gift it's a gift that keeps giving. <laughs> it's amazing. So it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes uh, that's why I was asking about your band. Because sometimes you know when you're doing the sort of solo thing, it can I would imagine it can be challenging sometimes. But you have lots of good people around you. Well, I love I love the band that I have now, and I hope that they will stick around with me. I think they're enjoying it and it's like a really nice feeling that comes around when we all get back together and when we're all I mean at the moment it's just yeah it's meeting and going to festivals and there's just a there's a great camaraderie between us and like our guitarist is sort of like the gregarious loud one and then it's me and Amelia the drummer kind of have like quite similar quite similar personalities I don't know it just it just yeah it works really well right now and I actually because now we've done spent so much time together I think it would be it would be like difficult for me to like if they couldn't do it anymore. Like we've just gotten so much better so quickly. Like the difference between last year and the tour I went on in January, it's just it's just like lightning years better. Especially, yeah. I mean, also that was that was me like figuring out how I wanted everything to sound and even just stuff like at the the last tour, we, I didn't have like an in ears monitor. All of that was coming out of the the front of house. Like I just didn't have as much crew because I didn't have a bus, and you know you you're kind of everything's a lot more scrappy. So we um yeah we've we've gotten our, our like kind of synergy together has gotten so much better. 
And the good thing is when you do the film stuff as well, you know, the cast and crew, that's got another similar vibe, doesn't it? It's got a, it's a real, from my limited. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely used to being around, being around a lot of people, being around crew, kind of becoming that family, like being on the bus. It was very sweet. And I was really lucky. I I had such, such lovely people come with me on that tour. Really, really lovely. And you just have, you have a laugh. It's like adult summer camp, isn't it? All of this stuff. Yeah. Well, that was so great to catch up with you, Suki. It was great to talk to you. We didn't really like, we didn't mention that we have this this song out together now that we made when I came to see you in Glasgow, but I'll just, I'll just punch that in at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Every day's a lesson in humility, which I, I'm really pleased that that song came out into the world. I, I loved it. Uh, it was really fun. I loved uh, working on that. So hopefully we'll get to, you know, when you do make it to Scotland, we'll all come along and cheer you from the front. Oh, that would be brilliant. I haven't done a show in Scotland, but I would love to, yeah, love to do that. And yeah, let me let me know anytime you're on tour anywhere in the States and I will, and I will come. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Stuart. Thank you. It was right. really lovely to see you again. Ah. Likewise. Bye, Suki. Bye. Thanks for listening to the TalkHouse podcast and thanks to Suki Waterhouse and Stuart Murdoch for chatting. If you liked what you heard, please follow TalkHouse on your favorite podcasting platform and check out the many wonderful written pieces and other goings-on at TalkHouse.com. This episode was produced by Myron Kaplan, and the TalkHouse theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next time.